Hello and welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Anshah.net. Episode 19. More special classes to cater for all needs. On last week's episode, we had a look at provisions for children with autism in Ireland. And before listening to this episode, you might want to check that out, although this can also be uh, listened to on its own. Just to give a brief summary, I offered some of my own experiences from my 10 years of, of managing classes for children with autism. And, I'm, and, and I hopefully gave uh, some tips to schools that might, uh, that might be thinking about opening classes. Um, so this week, I just want to cast the net further and, uh, and I want to look at other types of classes that are offered in mainstream schools. And basically what I'll be doing is I'll be arguing that if I were the Minister for Education, I would be providing more special classes to cater for all special educational needs. For those of you who aren't in the education system in Ireland, if you are a child with additional needs, there's generally four options available to you in terms of primary school. Firstly, there's your regular mainstream classroom and that may come with or without a special needs assistant um, or an SNA. Um, however, getting an SNA can be very, very difficult. If you've got a need, which is a care need, you're probably going to need a, 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 an adult assistant. Um, now, I think I've mentioned in a previous episode that, you know, as well, that getting this uh, SNA is, is extremely difficult, even if you're in preschool with the highest level of support it doesn't translate or transfer over to primary school. And basically, you could be left without any support. Um, maybe you won't need it, but if you have a care need, you may very well need it, whether that's a toileting need or whether that's your flight risk um, or whatever is defined as, as the, the, I suppose, the um, as, as I've been looking at care needs over the last uh, decade or two, the list is diminishing as uh, the NCSE uh, pretend to uh, continue to not cut um, services for uh, people uh, with additional needs. Um, I'm already going off the point anyway. Whatever the case, basically, if you're in a mainstream setting, the child is in a mainstream. So you're in a mainstream classroom with about 25 to 30 odd pupils and one teacher. And that's it. Um, in Ireland, we don't have even we don't even have teaching assistants. So our pupil to adult ratio is easily the highest in the EU, despite, again, what people say. The UK certainly has a slightly higher pupil teacher ratio, but most UK classrooms have classroom assistants, which makes up for the one or two children deficit, in my opinion. So anyway, effectively, if you are capable of surviving in a situation where you don't need any extra one-to-one -one support in a classroom, and you, or maybe you might receive a couple of hours a week of extra learning support, this might be an option for you. Number two, if you're a, if you're a child uh, that has a particular diagnosis, and we'll go through the various diagnoses in, the, in a few minutes, um, your school might have a specialised class for you and it will be attached to the mainstream school. Now, these classes generally have a much lower uh, ratio of adults to children. For example, classes for children with autism would have six pupils and they would also have one teacher and two SNAs, two, uh, two uh, special needs assistants. So a two to one pupil adult ratio. Now, this allows a setup uh, where 
children can integrate with their age-appropriate mainstream class and, and also it has the options for reverse integration where children from the mainstream class can come and, vi uh, come and work in the special classes and it can work very, very well for children that can't fully cope 100% in with the demands of the mainstream classroom. Um, so it gives that level of support that uh, that's um, to, to, a, to a child who may need um, a smaller setting and can come in and come out uh, as they need to. However, sometimes you might need to be in a specialised setting for your entire school day. This is option number three. And this is where special schools can work very well um, in these particular cases. And many special schools have extra facilities that mainstream schools don't, uh, don't have, uh, even those with specialised uh, classes. So, for example, school nurses, sensory pools and things like that. So uh, a special school may be an option for you. Um, and the fi final option, if you can call it that, is uh, home tuition. And this is generally for uh, people or pupils that can't cope at all in any of the above settings. And this can be due to profound needs uh, where uh, a child might be such a danger to themselves or others that staying at home is the only option. Um, it's also an option for pupils that have been excluded from school. Um, homeschooling can also be a conscious choice for parents where they decide they want to uh, tutor their own children at home. Now, depending on the circumstances, uh, you, you might qualify for a home tutor if you're at home uh, for a number of hours a week. So, for example, a child that's been expelled from school is entitled to five hours of tuition per week. Um, so that's the final option. Basically, in this episode, we're delving into the second option, the special class within the mainstream school, where a child can integrate within a mainstream classroom with the intention of fully mainstreaming o over time. Now, for me, this is one of the best options out there if it's well supported. And as you'll know from our previous episodes, um, this isn't the case at all. Of course, um, it's not the case at all. But let's say if it were, I believe it's a really, really good option. However, what are the various diagnoses that provide special classes and um, because not every uh, diagnosis will require a special class number one um, and maybe some do but they may not be part of it now if you're a regular listener to this podcast you won't be surprised to hear that if you're that you're going to be really disappointed basically you will be disappointed but initially you might not be because initially it's actually going to sound pretty good because there actually are quite a lot of different types of classes around the country for children with additional needs and um, so i'm going to give you the the whole this sounds all right before i disappoint you there's special classes in ireland for the following disabilities autism emotional behavior disorder hearing impairments mild general learning disabilities, moderate general learning disabilities, severe or profound learning disabilities, multiple disabilities, specific learning disabilities, and speech and language disabilities. So in fairness, that's quite a lot of classes for children with additional needs. But the problem is, and this is where it gets disappointing, is the quantity of them. So I'm recording this um, episode in July 2019, just um, the week, uh, just the week after this, we broke for the summer holidays, um, and uh, just as the start of Ju of July provision, uh, the July program. Uh, so if you are a child with autism or a severe or profound disability, you may still be in school for July, but. Um, at this time, if you've been reading any reports in the media, you'll no doubt be aware there are not enough special classes for children with autism in Ireland. Um, and this has been reported particularly in hot uh, kind of a sp a particular hotspots like Dublin 15, North Dublin and Cork. Um, but there are actually oh, almost 1000 special classes for children with autism in Ireland, catering for up to 6000 children. However, 
you know, 6,000, there are more than 6,000 children with autism in Ireland, and obviously more than 6,000 that require a special class for children with autism. However, if you don't have autism, okay, and uh, if you don't have (laughs) autism, for uh, for example, let's say you have EBD, an emotional behavior disorder, guess how many classes there are in the country for you? Just have a think, okay? So thinking that there's about a thousand special classes for children with autism, how many classes for children with emotional behavior disorders do you think there are? Nine. It's nine. Yeah, there's nine. That's not a mistake. And do you know where most of them are? Here's your second. Here's your second quiz question. Where are most of the EBD classes? Well, if you said Dublin, you'd be wrong. No, it's actually Kerry. Yeah, and there's two of them there. And they're both in the same school. Like, yeah, really, there's one in Dublin. And there's one in the other counties that there, that, that there are some. There's nine in total. So eight counties have one class. Now, the most local one to me, I live in Carlow. Uh, the most local one to me in Carlow is somewhere in the middle of nowhere in County Tipperary. In a, and it's not even in a big town. It's in a small rural school. Now, I'm going to come back to the impact of this. But I just want to list how many classes there are for some of the other disabilities. Now, remembering autism is the best Um, supported with around a thousand classes which still isn't enough the next best supported class is speech and language uh, disabilities now if I was to tell you that uh, to tell you how many uh, if I was to ask you how many do you think there are right remember it's the second most supported one okay there's 67 okay that's better than nine I grant you 67 classes for children with speech and language disabilities now again you might you might actually go okay but you know that's grand. You know, like, isn't that enough to meet the needs? I mean, it, it finds 67 small, but maybe it's enough to meet the needs of the country. Well, it's not just all opinions for me and, uh, and picking numbers out of the sky. I actually did a bit of research um, to see if it was enough. Um, and it was very easy to find out uh, the answer to that. Um, just so you know, um, speech and language classes offer a seven to one pupil teacher ratio for, for some reason. But anyway, seven to one is what they have. Um, and Ireland, so that means um, if you've got 67 of these classes and it's a 7 to 1 ratio, Ireland basically has specialised classes for, remembering your 7 times tables, 7 minus 4 by 67 is 469. Um, I had it written down, sorry. Uh, anyway, guess how many pupils require speech and language therapy input in Ireland? 469 is, the, is what uh, is offered. Well, according to the research from Bernardo's, who, who did a lot of this uh, research in 2018, that's last year, for 469 places, the number of children that require input is 29,481. Yeah, that's over 20,000 more pupils in Ireland that require speech and language therapy than can be offered in a special class. Is that not shocking? It has to be shocking to you. That's, that's EBD classes nine classes and i'll go I'll, I'll let you know how many are needed but what we do know is there aren't enough a thousand classes aren't enough for children with autism and if we were looking at um if we were looking at special uh, slt it looks like you'd need about just about four thousand classes maybe four thousand classes uh, speech and language classes uh in ireland to cater for the, the numbers that are there maybe i don't know uh, because of waiting lists it's probably a little less 
Anyway, let's go through the rest of the figures and you can pretty much make the assumption that there's a similar lack of supports for all of these. I didn't go into them because I just had to assume. 42 classes are there for children with mild general learning disabilities, 20 for moderate general learning disabilities, 17 for multiple uh, general disabilities, and nine for severe profound uh, disabilities. Now these are uh, classes I think that existed in some, uh, I think, uh, DESH band one schools. There may be a hangover from a different time and I, I suppose they can't close them um, unless the school's closed. So I, I, they're just there because they have to be there. I don't think any are going to be added to that. Uh, there's also 11 for specific learning disabilities such as dyslexia, dyspraxia and dyscalculia and all that. And then there's 10 for hearing disabilities. Now it's easy to see that if your child doesn't have autism, you are pretty much screwed in Ireland. Now even if your child does have autism, you're still in a very precarious position depending on where you're living. In my own context, again at, um, in, in Carlo, as of this year, my school offers 12 places to children with, uh, with autism in total. It's the only primary school in the whole of Carlow Town. Now Carlow Town is a pop, uh, has, a, has a population of at least, I think it could be even more than 30,000, but I think it's around 30,000. And it's the only one that offers this service. And after that, children have to travel out to rural schools um, if they where, where the next available class uh, for children with autism is. Um, now, last year, there was huge waiting lists for places in all the classes in the county. and uh, But luckily, two rural schools, uh, more rural schools, have opened classes, which uh, are going to be ready for this coming year. And thankfully, that means our waiting lists in Carlow were sizably cut because these uh, two classes offer 24 more places. Um, and However, many children are going to be sat on buses for hours a day um, now, this isn't school's fault, by the way. I, 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 I think uh, you'll need to listen to last week's episode about that. But and I also just want to touch on um, the fact that why, I mean, why uh, am I, why is my school the only school, uh, a non-rural school, I suppose, um, urban school that offers these classes, yet there's quite a few rural schools that are? Well, the answer to that question, I guess, probably lies, and uh, now not always, but probably lies in this um, fact that if you're a four or five teacher school, if you open a full what what the department refers as an ASD unit now I wouldn't I don't like the term unit uh, if you open that your a teaching principal may be eligible to become an administrative principal and I absolutely don't blame any teaching principal for that now I suppose what they're doing is they're doing a very good thing which is very needed in the uh, in in a vicinity uh, and they are also making their job. Um, I suppose something that can be done um, rather than a job that is impossible. Anyway, let's go back to um, EBD because I've talked about this a little bit without going into uh, a little bit more detail because this is um, this is the bit that really irks on me because um, the people who I believe are 100% responsible for this problem have even admitted themselves that there is a big problem here. Okay, so if your child has EBD and by the way, it's one of the fastest growing diagnoses in Ireland at the moment. You're goosed. There's no other word for it. You're absolutely goosed. Even the NCSE, as I said, who are, I think are 100% responsible for all this mess, admitted it in 2012, seven, seven years ago at this time of the recording. And there's a report here um, which uh, says... The National Council for Special Education, the NCSE, in 2010 reported that a total of 6,900 children attending mainstream schools received additional teaching hours as a result of EBD in 2010, which increased to 7,830 in 2012. And furthermore, when special EBD classes in schools were included in the research, the total number of children increased to 8,224. Now, the NCSE were concerned about this, and they summarised those, and they're pretty... um, 
I suppose they were gentle on themselves or maybe they were gentle on, uh, they were gentle in the report uh, they are very concerned that the system may be currently failing a small group of students read big group of students with complex special educational needs arising from severe EBD there are children and young people with a clinical diagnosis of EBD whose level of challenging behaviour prevents them from attending and or engaging with school and from achieving their own individual potential. Uh, this is from the NCSE's own records in 2012. Now, if that all sounds familiar uh, to you, uh, it's because it's from a previous episode of this podcast where I talked about the NCSE and its failure to support special education needs over the years. In the episode, I added that with regards to emotional behavioural disorders, this was a 16% increase of diagnoses in two years. And if trends continued, which I've no doubt they have, there are likely to be well over 10,000 children in Ireland with a diagnosis of EBD. And as I've said, there are nine classes for children with EBD in Ireland right now. Shocking, shocking stuff. That's enough for 72 children. The NCSE and the government simply have not provided enough classes for the level of needs out there. So where do these children go? Well, there are the other three possibilities that I mentioned at the very start of the podcast. And often, but often children with EBD have no other option than to go into a mainstream classroom due to the fact that one needs to have a cognitive disability to qualify for a special school. Uh, and basically, if they're in a mainstream classroom, they're basically being set up to fail. And therefore, that exasperates their situations and it makes things even worse. And ultimately, many of them will fall foul of the school's disciplinary codes and end up expelled. And this is no fault of the schools and no school wants to go through an expulsion. Honestly, honestly, even the paperwork alone would halt any gung-ho principal from trying to expel a child. And generally, expulsions don't work. Um, but the inevitable fact is that children with emotional behaviour disorders are not getting the support they need. And that's the same for every other need as well. Almost every other need. So why is this? Why is this happening? Well, in that episode, I blame the NCSE. Um, for all ills and special education needs. And I totally stand over it because the NCSE, who should be improving the outcomes for children with needs, have effectively become a buffer for the Department of Education. In the last few years, they have added as much paperwork and bureaucracy to cause as much delays as possible in getting resources. They've completely ignored and even welcomed cuts imposed on children with special education needs from the Department of Education, and they've passed on much of its organisational work onto school principals. They've not made any efforts to criticise the huge shortage of classes for children with different needs, and instead they feed parents and the government absolute rubbish that every child with an additional need is catered for within the uh, allocations that exist. So how would I fix it if I was the Minister for Education? Well, obviously, the most obvious thing is to open as many classes as possible, wherever that's possible. But the trouble with this is the funding is so pathetic for schools, there is really no incentive for them to open the classes. Now, however, even more importantly, and this is where I give the Minister a little bit of slack, only a little, before we can actually do anything meaningful, we really need to untangle this crazy complex system that is our primary education system. Every school in the country obviously can't have a special class in it because it makes no sense. It's the same, it's, it's, it's the same argument that I have about pluralism, uh, the pluralism argument in, in Ireland. Every town can't have a, a school for a particular faith-based tradition. So basically we shouldn't we, we should just get rid of a patronage system. We just all have schools. Similarly, every school in the country can't have a special class because there aren't enough spaces and, um, and it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense uh, to do that. Um, I also think there may be an argument that uh, 
very small schools um, can't cater for full special classes. Um, there's just enough students, I suppose, and they, in, a, in effect, may become special schools uh, in all but name. Um, and as I said, I just said there as well, then there's also the patronage problem. Um, so I, I just need to mention that now, not the fact that there's... Um, not the fact that there's two, the, the, the pluralism thing, that's one other argument, but there is actually a problem with patronage as it stands, as we know. Um, most special classes are set up in patron models that discriminate on religious grounds, basically. That's another problem we have with our system. Now, while one often hears the defenders of the faith uh, saying how much more inclusive they are because they have more special classes than any other model, model that's only because they run 90% of schools. Um, and this, and that's basically power tripping. I mean, that's a, it's all that's a power battle, and uh, and um, it's it's actually not useful. Um, it's totally it's completely problematic for children with special education needs um, that they're being forced to attend schools where their families' beliefs aren't respected. There's no point in um, these schools uh, flashing about how inclusive they are when they really clearly aren't. And at the end of the day, there's children in their classes that have to go to churches even though they even though they don't or they don't they don't believe in the religion of that school. But anyway. It's, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of going off the point, but uh, it is a problem. And again, it's something that needs to be untangled. However, given we have what we have, okay, given that we can't really unravel everything in one go because it's been so twisted out of shape over the years, um, we, 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 we could say maybe half of schools in this country uh, could easily open two special classes each I don't think that's unreasonable that 50% of schools in the country could have special classes. And that would create just over 3,000 classes for the various disabilities in the country. Now, it may not be enough, but it's, it, I, it, I, I think it might be as well. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure it should be. However, the thing is, proper funding is going to be needed for all those classes. You can't just open them and not give the funding and give the current funding model because it isn't enough. There are other risks when it comes to this, uh, to this as well, but that's possibly for another episode. I'd rather have, I suppose... When, I, when I'm looking at it, I would rather have this very tangled, complex system of schools with enough places for different disabilities than my simplified system, uh, I guess, where you have no uh, patron models, you don't have lots of other stuff uh, without the required number of classes. So if I were the Minister for Education, that's exactly what I'd be doing. I would be trying to find uh, every possibility to open special classes. Now, I wouldn't do it in a random way because that's not going to make sense. So what would I actually do? Well, what I'd be looking at doing is I'd be trying to find, look at every area in the country and clustering them up as best as possible. So, you you know, by, I don't know, I suppose they do it with politics. They have these local local areas for elections and things like that. So something similar, I guess, would, would, would make sense uh, to me that they divide the country up into the little, uh, little areas and then cluster them as best as possible. Now, in each area, we could identify the population in that area, and again, that information is probably available, and calculate how many places would be need on average for each disability. And next, I'd open enough classes in that area, probably in the middle part of that area, so whatever school was in the middle, if it was viable, uh, in the biggest, uh, probably in the biggest schools, maybe in, the sm in a small school. The, the advantage of maybe smaller schools is they're generally built on um, cheaper land, I guess, because they're more rural. So you could actually build uh, these um, specialised settings cheaper. Uh, the disadvantage, obviously, is... Uh, kids are sat in buses for a while but if you're in the middle of a very of a town and there isn't really much space um it can be problematic but again these are things that have to be ironed out they're they're they're, they're cosmetic almost um but um and maybe economic uh, rather than um 
um, rather than the actual reason for uh, for actually opening them. But what we would do is we should open um, enough classes in, in the sort of middle area so they're accessible. Um, now, it isn't a perfect solution, obviously, uh, given the makeup of schools, but it's probably the best solution we have for the moment. And really, to be honest, in my opinion right now, whatever it takes to ensure that children with additional needs receive the supports they need as early as possible, that needs to be the number priority for this country. We're now going to look at next week's show. Last week, a bunch of people who are somewhat involved in the education system attended a symposium for small schools. This was around June 2019, for those of you who might not be listening to it uh, at this time of recording. Um, and in terms of primary schools, we were represented by the INTO the IPPN and the CPSMA. For those of you who don't know what those are, uh, the uh, the union, uh, the principal representatives and the Catholic Management uh, Association. However, it was pointed out by many that there was very few of them there that actually worked in small schools. Now, to be honest, I don't really think that's hugely important. For me, the most important thing was the recommendations that were put out there by everybody at these discussions at this symposium. They were absolutely dreadful. So next week, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and I'm going to give some ideas about what I might do with regards to small schools in Ireland if I were the Minister for Education. I hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to tune in every Wednesday morning just in time for your midweek slump. It's almost sure to get your blood boiling whatever you think uh, of me, particularly next week's show. I've already been absolutely mauled on social media for even asking the question. Anyway, this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify and any other podcasting app by searching for either onshaw.net or if I were the Minister for Education. Uh, you can also find direct links to other uh, services on our Facebook page. I'd really appreciate you subscribing to our podcast so every new episode will be available to you immediately once it's released. I'd also really appreciate it if you would review the podcast so other people could find it a little more easily. That's it from me this week. I hope you enjoyed this uh, slightly shorter podcast episode. Thanks a million for tuning in and we'll see you again next week. Thanks a million. Bye bye. 